Welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trumbull, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trumbull from The Executive pill and i <laughs> you know what it is today's a good day it's always a good day when i'm here with you today is even a better day though because we have a phenomenal 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 guest with us today um my next guest is a phenomenal individual not only because of the work that she does in her quote-unquote day job but because of the mentoring and the and, and the guidance she, she's willing to give to those who who want to excel and, and develop in their own personal career so look look um miss julian Edwards. she is the vice president of energy origination and development at tc energy and in 2023 will be formally appointed to the board of directors for bruce power now again you know the drill it never stops there <laughs> prior to tc energy she worked at energy solutions and energy capital Partners portfolio company, where she was vice president for nuclear decommissioning. Without any further ado, my now good friend, Miss Jillian. How are you doing today, madam? I mean, I'm good. I'm here with you. So definitely can't get better. Well, <laughs> you are so kind. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there. You you just got off of the plane two hours ago. And so I need everyone to please thank her, and as I will thank you for for powering through this because we want to have this conversation. Oh, of course. I'm just so thankful the plane was on time. There's a shortage of pilots, and you feel it when you travel. And for those out there that have to travel and commute to and from work uh, via plane, you're just so thankful when you get somewhere on time. So. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. I heard that um, that Spirit airline actually allows its passengers to take time, uh, take turns flying the plane if needed to keep things on time. That is completely a joke. <laughs> I always see these like memes and stuff <laughs> talking about Spirit Airlines. I've just, never flown it. I me mean, neither. I, I, I'm actually terrified. Like if it's like something like American or <laughs> United's put out there to deter people to go to a competitor, it is working for me. <laughs> <laughs> it is really, it is very effective. Like I said, I've never read, wrote them either, but I've heard so many jokes that I'm like, Maybe not. <laughs> well, you know, I'd love to start off with a story, actually. Um, way back when, way back when, um, I was uh, working in the Department of the Interior. Um, I had the opportunity to... I had the opportunity to serve as an international liaison for a couple different secretarial conferences. And in one of those conferences, um, I was the uh, liaison to the to the EU delegation delegation. Um, I still remember like like it being super awkward, like they were standing there. I was standing there. We had nothing to talk about. It's kind of real like, OK, we're just waiting for the secretary to come. Maybe they'll talk to him. Um, and then it was like, you know, hey. Um, my friend works in the nuclear industry, and I started just saying, 
what do you think about X, Y, and Z? And I just kind of mm-hmm. threw some ideas that my friend had mentioned to me and they got super interested in it. And that kicked off a really awesome relationship that actually lasted multiple years with, between uh-huh. me and those, dele- those delegates. So what I wanted to kind of kick off with is we talk about the importance of relationship building mm-hmm. um, on this podcast a great deal. And this was also more so like you have you 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 found your way to that space, but how do you make yourself interesting, right? <laughs> and well, I love to throw that at you. Like, how do you make yourself interesting? Well, that's so funny. I I have three younger brothers. I have to maybe start off from that point. Um, oldest of four. Um, so naturally, I thrive in very awkward environments. Um, just. <laughs> out of the gate. And my youngest brother, Adam Maffitt, um, he's in the industry that I'm in now, the energy industry. And I never realized like the impact I had had on him from just coming home, talking about work or, you know, being in the car and taking a conference call. And he asked me something similar. He's like, but it was a little bit phrased in a different way. He asked, you know, how do you how do you leave a lasting impression? How do you get witty? Like, how do you know exactly what to say in that moment where it could be the point of essentially like crossing the chasm where you're just somebody that they rode with one time versus there's someone that they want to make sure that you are in their Rolodex and you are somebody that they're going to talk to on an ongoing basis. It's the first time I ever like stepped back and like, I don't, how do I do that? And so I started like writing it out in my journal. I I doodle like a 12 year old all the time still because I journal when I was younger. Um, And I encourage everybody to do that because it helps get things out. It's very therapeutic. And um, yeah, I kind of went back to the first place where I learned how to network, which was when I was a waitress uh, at in Lakeland, Florida, my hometown. Uh, I was a waitress at Bonefish Grill and Caravas. And back then networking was used for a means to an end, right? Like I had an hour to get people in and out of my table. I need to make money at a really good tip and they're only going to give me a good tip if they like me. (laughs) (laughs) But that's where I learned the skill and bartending and waitressing, I think is some of the best ways to just practice uh, just how to have everyday conversations and moments when they're not natural. So. Well, you, you know, I mean, but you bring up a very, a very great point that I want to key in on. You said you were networking uh, or the means to an end and, you know, you want to get a tip, um, but you, the best, the best tip you get is because they like you, mm-hmm. but isn't that true in like almost every circumstance is that yeah. if people like us, they're more likely to help us or give us what we're asking for. So true. So true. I think back then it was monetary for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I needed more disposable income to do whatever I want to do in college. Um, but now it's, it's interesting, like the networking, we'll say what I'm, what I'm capitalizing on or monetizing through my relationships and my network is like gaining perspective, like getting a deeper sense of mm. what drives people every single day. And through yeah. that, I start to maybe have a little self-reflection and hone in on why I act a certain way or respond yeah. a certain way or my behaviors. And so now networking is different. It's, it's, well, I have selfish reasons, which I can definitely get into, but it shifted from like a monetary value to mm-hmm. like a purpose filled value that I wanted to make be the driving force of me every single day. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year round. WEPA has been ensuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or replacement for Fagley and can cost less. 
Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting waepa.org today. Well, look, I, I, I wasn't going to ask you, but you mentioned it. You said selfish reasons. Um, I love to hear, and I'm, I'm, I'm likely going to challenge you on that. So let, let, let's, go with, let's go with your, your explanation first. What, what selfish reasons? I've got several, but I'll pick, I'll pick my top three. <laughs> um, well, so you, you know, you and I have talked a couple of times, and we have a shared friend, Lisa Gable, who I'm a big fan of. And if you guys haven't heard Lisa on this podcast, you definitely should uh, scroll backwards and listen in on it. She's an amazing woman. Mm-hmm. You know, so now reason number one is I network to – educate, inform, and raise awareness and funds for Rett syndrome, which is um, anybody that follows me on social media or has worked with me knows it's something that impacts my family every single day. Our daughter has Rett syndrome and we've been fighting it, trying to reverse the, the symptoms and find her a cure. So that's selfish reason number one. I'd say selfish reason number two is, you know, I just want to leave a lasting impression in the industry that I'm in and be a part of something that's going to be a huge difference. So I'm in the energy business. Naturally, you think of, okay, there's an energy transitioning happening right now. So I want to make sure my network serves that purpose and that drive to reduce carbon emissions for not only our country, but several others and trying to find how my personal traits and skill sets and domain expertise can be used in that space. And then the third one is, uh, I just want to give back. Like I remember people when I first started in my career 15 years ago, which feels like yesterday, I feel like the Botox is going to always be needed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) frankly, (laughs) but I want to give back through mentoring. Like I mentor my brother, obviously I can't escape families. I'm always going to have to hang out with him. But I mean, there's other women and men in my life, right? There's this young lady, um, a friend. She uh, lives out in California right now. She's a university of Auburn graduate. And my God, she reminds me of myself when I was 25. And I just am going to make sure that one day I work for her or she's in a C-suite position because that's where she belongs. (laughs) So those are my three reasons. Yeah. So, so, I look. I called it. If anyone who's doing a betting game, if you were doing shots or money, someone someone's drinking and someone's paying somebody some money because I called it. I knew I was going to challenge you on this. Um, those are not selfish reasons. Um, those yeah. reasons are all for the benefit of other people. Um, yeah. Whether it be the the, the, the uh, rets that you're, you're focused on, whether it be the, the the mentoring you're focused on, whether it's be the energy. That, that we know is changing our world and we have to find new ways to utilize different types of energy. Like none of those things are selfish. Sorry, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm just calling it out. Well, for those that bet against me, I apologize. Hopefully you're just losing <laughs> money and not taking shots right now. <laughs> or well, but well, well, you know, I honestly, I really did want to call that out because so Funny enough, I hear a lot of people. So let, me, let me take a step back. So I was recently um, I was talking to a, a potential client of mine the other day and um, they were asking us, so like, why do you do what you do? Mm-hmm. And I told them, like, very simple. My, I'm, I'm very 
very simple, very easy, straightforward. Um, I want to provide those from underrepresented communities with the the skills and re- the resources and tools it takes to be to reach the C-suite. That, that, that is exactly what I'm interested in because the reality is, is most people um, don't understand that there are different skills that get them to that level. Then there is not just working hard. It's not just keeping your head down because there's a lot of people who work hard, a lot of people who work really hard, but they're not where they want to be. And so to your point, one of the biggest things I hear most often is, well, that's selfish. If I'm networking, that's selfish. No, if you're doing it to gain the resources, to gain the the influence, to, get, to gain the, the monetary resources, to do what you need to do to, that's ultimately going to help people, you're. I believe you're selfish if you're not doing it. <laughs> I love everything you just said, and it really, really resonates with me because the reason I flew in today is I was in Houston yesterday at Rice University. Uh, speaking on a panel about innovation and the energy transition. Um, And I said almost those exact same words. I said, people, like I kind of spoke to people don't invest or customers don't buy what you're doing. They buy why you're doing it. Mm. And I spoke about the late Dr. King. I said, he said, I have a dream, not I have a business plan. And people (laughs) bought into that and followed him and that's what drives all of us. So you, I love and applaud your your passion and what drives the outcome that you're you're receiving, um, because that needs to be reinforced every single time you're advocating for this, because that's what's going to make people want to listen in further. And you're you're totally right. The accessibility of information is out there, right? I mean, YouTube's blown mm-hmm. up and mm-hmm. podcasts like this, um, but you have to make sure you know folks know how to access it and know the value that it could bring to them. And I think that's amazing. I'm so glad to hear that's your, that's your driving force. Well, you know, we're, we're going to continue down this path, but you make me think of, well, first, thank you. I, I really do appreciate, again, this coming from you is, 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 is huge for me. So I appreciate it. Um, and, you know, I, I rewrote an article about Dr. King um, and a few other people, um, uh, was that Mother Teresa, Dr. King, Muhammad Gandhi, um, and just, you know, in making the point in that article was those people were, I believe, wildly successful in what they did, um, but they weren't successful because they only cared. Um, caring is important, sure, but if you can't garner the resources, the people, the, the influence to make those that those caring feelings transition to to actual action and and and, yeah. and products and so on and so forth, the rest of it doesn't doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's a puzzle. Like then that's like that's the core of the puzzle, mm-hmm. right? You have to have something because otherwise, it could just be a fad. It won't be mm-hmm. sustainable. It could be something that just kind of. Um, trickles away with time um so you i agree that's it's a puzzle piece but it is the core puzzle piece of what's going to get you from Mm -hmm. where you are today to wherever you want to be in five years ten years i mean make the goal realistic but never forget why you're doing it you you know i'm gonna i'm gonna you again you're my therapist for the next you know 30 (laughs) odd minutes um (laughs) i i love to hear your thoughts on um, goal setting and because I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you did not, you know, 
however many years ago when you're coming out of high school or whatever, um, you didn't say, oh, you know what? I'm going to I'm, you know, I'm going to be the VP of energy <laughs> origination and, de- and development at TC Energy. And, and you, know, you, you shot down that path. Right. Like, how did you go about getting to where you got and how did you go about goal setting? <laughs> Yeah, so I'm human. The goals have changed. They have gone up and down. I mean, it's like a roller coaster. Uh, I mean, obviously, really, really young, starting out when I was in college, it was just, how do I get independent? How do I get someone to trust me that I'm worthy of an investment of a full-time career? How do I get that first car, right? My Pontiac G6. I love that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Literally love that thing. and then it died and they stopped making Pontiacs, which is really sad. But <laughs> just had to do a little sidebar. I love it. But I, you know, back then it was like, okay, I just need to get from point A to point B. And so my goals back then were probably a year out. And then as I like started to achieve them, I started to, you know, think bigger and better because, you know, my, mm. my network was growing. My relationships were becoming deeper they were actually getting higher inside an organization, right? It wasn't just people like myself who were interns or, yeah, or yeah. you know, green in their career. It was directors and VPs and sometimes board members. And so the goal setting started to then go out to a five-year plan. But then I was like, okay, these are too broad of goals. I need to start compartmentalizing, right? Like here's my financial goal. Here's my personal mm-hmm. goal, which is always physical in nature for me because I, I've just always been active. And some were career goals and some were just connection goals. Like I want to make sure I meet this person at this company and I'm going to make oh, it wow. happen. And I, I did. I mean, I remember when I had joined Chicago Bridge and Iron, it's now McDermott. I wanted to meet Lynn Good, who is, is still is actually the CEO of uh, Duke Energy because she was a woman that got to the C-suite, um, started out in finance, had a very untraditional path. And I was like, I'm going to meet her. And I started out by trying to sell them a combined cycle power plant and working, you know, every single countless hour and nights and weekends to pull it off. And we did. But that's not what got me to her. I was like, okay, well, I need to start networking with the communities more. And that's where I started to understand organizations yeah. like Florence Crittenton and through all of those different avenues, right? Like it was almost like a tentacle. It was just like spawning off. One yeah. of them was going to, one of them was going to catch and one of them finally did. And when I met her, um, the, the interaction was so funny. I was my candid, raw, transparent self. And I was just telling her what my goal was, was to meet her. And she was humble, right? Like, honey, you got to set higher goals than this. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so we had like a good, like 15 minute, uh, candid, frank conversation. And I started giving her feedback on her team and her organization. And, oh my God, she was just so ecstatic to one. And she was also just so impressed and humble that somebody wanted to meet her. Right. And I think we take for granted that people at that level still need that positive enforcement and affirmation that they're making a difference and that they're a visual leader that somebody else is aspiring to be. So, um, anyways, yeah, goal setting for me kind of was, it staggered and then it started to become more functionally focused. Uh, and I still, I still do this. I have a, I have a, book like a little pink binder and I have every year my goals are just added on and I put stickers and use cute colors like I'm literally a 12 year old when it comes to goal setting I'm 37. Like that's that's embarrassing to admit, but it's the truth. First of all, I'm just going to call it up because you said it. You say 37. You are a boss. 
You are bossing. Thank you. So, oh, my God. Oh, oh okay. My what am God, I doing with my life? You're so funny. <laughs> no, but for the record, if you're going to say that, I have to give a shout out to Women in Nuclear, hashtag NukeBoss. That is a platform or a uh, account we created on Instagram to give micro-mentoring moments to um, to just anybody who really wants it. And we, mm-hmm. we uh, had a capstone uh group uh, through our next program, we created an initiative that put women that were in that mid-level management role to get them to the VP to the C-suite. And we had such success and we still continue to have success. And anyways, one of the first groups um, wanted to really tell their stories and realize how impactful mentoring connections, mm-hmm. relationships are. Mm-hmm. And so we did these micro mentoring moments and put them on Instagram and social media. And we were like, we need a cool, catchy name. And they came up with hashtag nuke boss. So I'll be a boss, but it has to be a nuke boss. <laughs> a new, yeah, look, you hashtag it right here. Hashtag it. Hashtag. Anyone who can hear this, I'm I'm hitting my fingers together making a hashtag, um, nuke boss. <laughs> but you you know, like I'm I'm so interested to hear like when you initially met her, like how, how were you were you nervous? Like, how how did you oh feel gosh. going into that conversation? Oh, 1000% again, a human being right here, mm-hmm. like to every mm-hmm. degree. Uh Oh, yeah. I almost like I started to walk towards her and then started to walk away. And I probably did that three times. Wow. And I'm like looking at her and I, I'm pretty tall and I was in heels and I was actually probably a foot taller than her. And in my head, I'm like, what are you scared of? What are you just go up to her? She's a human being. Like She got dressed this morning like you did. Mm-hmm. And so. I had a friend, thank goodness, that was there with me, just pushed me. <laughs> I stumbled. <laughs> so have a friend. Hold up, literally pushed you? <laughs> yeah, literally. Just like a little nudge. <laughs> and so I tripped. Good friend. Yeah, good friend. I mean, bad friend, but good friend. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I stumbled. Like in the moment, I had all this, like, you know, you got your positive charge and you're just like, you know, you're Iron Man and you're just going to fly into that moment and, or Iron Woman, I should say, fly into that moment. And then you get there and it's all of a sudden some chemical makeup is just like disrupting inside of you. And yeah, I definitely got nervous. And I still get nervous to this, to this day. I mean, I speak at conferences. I go on stage, depending on how high the stage or how big the audience. Um, I'm like a uh, instant sweat. And like, how do you, how do you, you know, take the little positive energy you just gave me that hype music and that, that uh, verbal affirmation. How do you like put it into like a microchip and like hit the engage button? <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm so glad you said all of that because I, I want and I need our, our listeners to understand that you do it scared. Yeah. If, if there's something that's important to you, um, it's okay to be scared. It's, you're human, right? Yeah. But you got to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. You got to put yourself in those situations. It's so funny because you talk about speaking. And speaking is what I do. And I still, I get nervous before I jump on a stage. No um, way. Oh, no guys, look, this, all this, this is all facade. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm really inside. I'm a really quiet introvert. Um, I don't you're, you're, you're just, you're just pulling this out of me. This is so weird. I don't know. I don't know where I am right now. Um, <laughs> I don't believe you. I, I, I remember actually playing um, football. Uh, so I, I played high school football and college football and I was relatively good. Um, I've got a number of awards and so on and so forth. And I, and I've always started every single game. Everyone, Everyone knew me. 
and it was so funny because um, I still remember the, the, the I was on the varsity team, like freshmen or newer comers would be like, okay, Alex, do this. Yeah. And they're like trying to push me. And I'm like, hold up. I'm trying to get myself ready because I don't know how this is going to turn out. Like, I, yeah, th- they're good too. It was, and yeah. I, and I, I was always like really nervous until that first hit. The first hit happened and I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. So even when I get on a stage now, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm nervous and nervous. And we start going. I'm like, okay, I'm good. Let's, let's keep it rolling. There's a reoccurring theme here that we both need to be hit or shoved. <laughs> Get thrusted into the moment. So to be clear, let's make sure we're in a safe environment. No hitting or, sh- or shoving us when you meet us in person. This is going to be our whole like inside thing, our own inside joke. So now whenever someone comes up to you and just shoves you, you're like, oh, you listen yeah. to the executive pill. Yeah. Like this whole pump fist emoji is going to have a whole new meaning. <laughs> If you're a manager in the federal government, do you have Fed's Protection Professional Liability Insurance? Because if you don't, you need to get it. Having a Fed's policy means that you will be protected against any professional capacity lawsuit, administrative action, or criminal investigation arising from actions taken in the scope of your employment. This insurance is a must-have for federal managers and starts at just $209 a year. Plus, your agency will reimburse you for half of this cost. To learn more, visit www.fedsprotection.com or call 866-955-3337 today. You know, I, I one of the things that's always crazy for me, though, is like, you know, when I talk to Phenomenal, again, is you do so much. How? Like, how do you do so much in addition to your job and your speaking? And you're the chair of U.S. Women in, uh, in Nuclear. Like, like, how do you have the time to make, to focus your energy on the things that that you're passionate about? There's the day-to-day that has to happen, but how do you how do you make that time to focus on the things that you're passionate about? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I it's There's this movie I love, and I make my husband sit through it. I feel bad for him. The amount of romantic comedies that man has to sit through. And then Preach. in exchange, I have to sit through a lot of hockey games. Um, is, uh, I don't know how she does it, I think. It's Sarah Jessica Parker, and she's kind of the same, right? Like She's this woman that um, just kind of, is a working mother. She's trying mm-hmm. to excel in her career. She's trying to also give back to the school that her kids are in. And I, I would say I don't do it all, right? Like something's going to have to take a backseat every mm-hmm. single day, every single week, every single year. And I think it's all about prioritizing and triaging what's going to be most important really for myself first, uh, back to the selfish point, because if I can't, you know, stand on my own two feet, if I'm not physically fit or, you know, healthy, or if I'm not in the right mm-hmm. headspace, I'm mm-hmm. never going to be able to do anything on that list. So prioritizing yeah. myself first. So I, one, I always make sure I work out every single week, at least a couple of times. Um, yeah. Again, cause I have to lift Lily, right? She's 50 pounds dead weight mm-hmm. due to her disorder. Uh, I also make sure that I take um, breaks throughout the day. Just walk around the neighborhood, get sun. Um, one of my other brothers, I, I said I had three. The middle one, James, is a gamer. And granted, it's not my thing. Um, but one of the guys that he games with says, honey, you're getting too good. You need to go outside and touch grass. And that's like their new saying, go touch grass. So oh, wow. I go touch grass. <laughs> <laughs> you 
clear. It says like the grass on the ground. Um, and so, yeah, I think you got to just one prioritize yourself because then you'll be in the right headspace to make the right decision on yeah. what to focus on and what to make capacity for in your brain and in your life. So I don't do it all, Alex, for sure. No, but, but that's actually really cool. I was um I was interviewed for a podcast the other day and they asked me what advice would you have for leaders in this time and so on and so forth. And I was like, um, look, leadership is hard. Um, there's a lot of pretty photos and videos about how wonderful it is and the impact you're making. Yeah, sure, you're making impact and you're doing really good stuff. Um, but it's that doesn't make it less hard. Um and so I always tell like we have as leaders have to remember that, yes, we are looking out for our teams and the mission and the the community and the stakeholders and everyone else and us like we are people, too. And we matter. We, we We're not matter. Autobots. Like we are not Autobots yet. I've seen. But, you know, again, I've seen so many. I've worked with so many passionate leaders who are just pouring everything out and they feel like if they take any time for themselves that they're not focused on their team and they're not focused on the on the on the mission what 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 would you say to those people yeah so again when you talk like there's all these all these memories and moments in my life just start coming up and i'm like all right which thread should i pull on so if you see my eyes start to do that i'm just trying to like figure <laughs> out which thread to pull on um so I got to give a shout out to one more brother, um, and it's going to drill your question. Um, my oldest brother, but I'm the oldest, just to be clear, they're all younger. Uh, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> I was a bully. Um, just to them, not in life. But uh, Dan, he was a, and still is, an incredible videographer, and he was a combat videographer and served in the military, served uh, about five years overseas, and then eventually made his way to Germany and ran the Armed Force Network as a production manager. And he, he produced a video for our family when we were trying to tell our story about Rett syndrome. And this is back when we were in Charlotte, North Carolina, flew him up. And my husband's interview was going on. And my husband's like, you can't sit and watch. You can't watch me interview because you're going to make me nervous and I'm going to cry. And I, I need to hold my composure. I was like, fine, yeah. I'll watch it later. Watched it later. I was in tears. Um, but one thing he said was, back to your leadership, is kind of how we approach any change in life, right? When we got the diagnosis, it was hard. Now, hard is not always bad. It's just hard. And it's how you look at it. Mm. And hard could be good, but it's just going to have to be like something that you have to get over, right? Yeah. And I will say you're 1,000% right. Leadership is hard. And I think the hardest part is letting go of what you've mastered and what you're good at and what's allowed you to accelerate into a leadership role. You got that leadership role not because they want you to keep doing what you're good at. They want you to now teach others how to mm. operate at that level. And I think that letting go as yeah. well as spinning it out in your brain that hard is not bad, hard is just hard, then I think that will just help accelerate your leadership journey, if you will. Wow. No, I, I, I love it. I love full it. Circle. I love it. No, no, full, full circle. I love it. Um, heart. Yes. Everyone, if, you, if there's one, if there's so many things to take away. So I'm going to say <laughs> another know, thing. Look, you know, leadership, you know, 
hard isn't bad. Hard is hard. And I love that. I love that. If you think about it, though, seriously, um, if you think about everything that you're probably proud of. Mm -hmm. Right. I assume it was difficult. I assume it wasn't just given to you. It was, it was something you had to work at, you had to overcome yeah. something, you some, 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 uh, some anguish through it. And oh, yeah. then you accomplished it. Right. Like, isn't that crazy? Those are internal. I mean, heck, those are battles you face when you see an email and you get an instant emotion and you win a, a hard battle of not responding with a knee jerk reaction versus <laughs> big things like my diagnosis of my daughter. Right. But there's every day, every moment you can choose to look at everything as as positive or negative and everything will be hard. Like you're right. There is no spoon fed. Hey, you're going to be the president of the United States. (laughs) There's going to be steps to get there. (laughs) Hate to break it to you. Hold on. I was told that I could join a group and they would just appoint me as the president. Isn't that how it works? I, never mind. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) I, so I I wanted to ask you, there's two different directions. They're completely different directions, but I'd love to ask you about, well, let's see if I can squeeze them both in. Um, Red, um, can you talk a little about that? I know this is something that you're really passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Rett syndrome, R-E-T-T, a lot of folks when we were in the Carolinas and South, we have accents and some people thought I was saying Tourette's and I'm like, I wish it was Tourette's. Like, I wish you just cussed at me all the time, <laughs> but it's not that. <laughs> so yeah, Rett syndrome is um, when it was described to us, because we obviously, most people do not know about it. It affects predominantly girls. However, boys Mm -hmm. can get it. It's on the X chromosome. So, you know, girls have two Xs. Boys have an X and a Y. So Mm -hmm. when boys get it, they don't typically last past the age of two to five. Um, You know, Rett syndrome, when it was described to us, was one, it's a neurological disorder that's, you know, derived on the X chromosome from a protein called MECP2. I was like, okay. You're going to lose me in the science, break it down. Like, what, what am I going to expect to see? And she says, well, picture the symptoms of cerebral palsy, Parkinson's, epilepsy, scoliosis, oh, wow. autism. And I'm just like looking at my, I'm like, is she going to keep going? And uh, anxiety disorder all in one package. And those are the symptoms your child will have. And it's going to, it's going to be a spectrum, right? So yeah. it's not just the most severe. Yeah. Unfortunately, Lily's the most, one of the most severe cases. She Obviously can't walk, can't talk, feeding tube, seizures, you know, GI issues, no hand use, there's no signing. So it's it's pretty bad in terms of disorders. But uh, you know, when we left the park heck before we even left the parking lot that day, February thirteenth, twenty seventeen, I'll never forget that date. Not a big fan of Valentine's Day anymore. Um, we got online and, you know, found this organization called Rett Syndrome Research Trust. And uh, I literally messaged the, the founder, Monica Kuhnratz. She got back to me within like a couple hours. And within three days, Alex, I'm not kidding you. Yeah. I went from like a, a place of deep depression and victim and pity me, hmm. sulking to... Oh my God, I am not going to let this defeat me or my marriage or my family. Yeah. And we're, we now have a passion. We, and I, I didn't really have one before. I mean, I had a passion in a career and my, my mm-hmm. husband and my family, but I never felt like I was put on this earth to do any of those things and make a huge impact, right? This, I finally feel like 
you know, this Lily is, is my hero. She, I have given birth to my hero and I'm going to try to save my hero. And that's, that's the three day shift that happened that fast. And I wish everybody could go through trials and challenges and mourning in that same quick speed. But, (laughs) um, I was very fortunate. We were fortunate to kind of make that pivot, which was essential. I, I got to see the picture of I got to see a picture a picture of you and your and your daughter and um, you just look happy like yeah. the smiles and yeah. so one of the questions I'm going to ask you I know we talked about hard it doesn't have to be bad um, it I know there was that three that three day period mm-hmm. D- does it ever get hard to smile Oh yeah one thousand percent There's days where I'll sit in my pantry and I'll cry my eyes out or listen to a song and it reminds me of something in that day. So 1000%, like I, I, I get jolted back to that moment and then pulled, right. It's, it's a constant ripcord. Yeah. But what you probably see us smiling a lot and we capture those moments because one, we want to remember them, but two, uh, they're very frequent. So when uh, people would ask me in the Carolinas, you know, does she have Tourette's? I'm like, she has laughing Tourette's. Like she laughs the most awkward things <laughs> and the most awkward moments. And it was kind of similar to my baby brother, Adam, growing up. Like someone would, I don't know, say they're getting a divorce and he'd start cracking up laughing because that's just how he handled awkward moments. Oh, my daughter has that gene. Like, but she, she has the most infectious laugh. And then when you're, when you when you have a child that you know doesn't speak and, and doesn't run to you and greet you and doesn't you know just doesn't do the typical things that a yeah. child does, you tend to just magnify the little things. And I pay attention to breathing, and I and I get so excited when she breathes normal because it's, she struggles. Yeah, I get so excited when she laughs. Like I will drop off of a call and run in the other room if she's oh. like on a laughing tear because I'm like I want to be present for that. Yeah. So oh my gosh, I love her laugh and her smile when she loses all her teeth. It's even better because she just looks like a mess. You <laughs> have to meet her. I look. I would love to. She seems like an awesome individual. Um, she is. And I, I'm I'm very much so looking to hear her laugh. And, and oh yeah. And thank you so much for being willing to share the story because I know there's so many people who go yeah. through challenges and they feel like it's so dark. How can I pull myself out of it? But it sounds like. It sounds like you can, but you get, but you got to work at it. And it's, it's going to be a consistent, sometimes battle to consistently pull yourself out of it. Well, yeah, it's kind of like, um, like anything, right? Like, would you rather wake up every day upset and a bad mood, having bad eating habits and losing friends because people don't want to be around that negativity? Or would you rather just try to get to a spot where you're just, you're improving and, and they may be marginal gains, but they're gains. Right. And so I think for us, I didn't want to live a life where I was just in this dark place because she needs me. She, she needs my, my marriage. She needs my husband. She needs our family. And if I'm in a dark spot, then she's going to be in a dark spot. She's going to pick up on that emotion. And so yeah, I say selfishly it's for, it's for that reason or unselfishly, but yeah, I just choosing optimism is just a better choice all around well and this is a slightly it is a different question but you were you've been able to fundraise over six hundred thousand dollars um 
and you have a day job <laughs> um, <laughs> and you were able to do this. Is it is it hard? How how were you able to raise six hundred thousand dollars for this for this uh, raising awareness and, and working on the cures? Oh, my gosh. So so true. So when we first got the diagnosis, we did a. We did a crowdfunding page, which was very new back then in 2017, where you set up a web page and people can donate to your cause, right? You put up a little story and some pictures and we were shocked. I think we raised $100,000 that year in like two months time. And, but I think what helped us was back to what you started with. It's, it's the why. And my brother produced two or three videos, but the first video we sent out with the crowdfunding page to tell our story. So people can yeah. see like what we're living with, not that they should, you know, donate to Lily because no funds go to Lily. It goes straight to the, to a cure mm-hmm. and to RSRT. Um, but it was so hard in the beginning, right? Because me and my husband at that time were both in commercial roles where we're selling to clients and dealing with vendors and we have our own staff. And there's like a little bit of a guilt complex. Like I shouldn't ask for this. Like they probably have their own causes that they want to yeah. get involved in. And we both sat down and we're like, you know, if, if I flip the table and I, if some of, one of my employees or my boss shared something like a video with me for two, a two minute video and share what their passion project was, one, it would be so great to get to know them on that intimate level. Yeah. Two, I'd probably have much more empathy and understanding of, you know, mm. behaviors. And then three, we just had this outcry. I just sent it out to folks that I had more of a personal relationship with, and they sent it to folks that they had a personal relationship yeah. with and their companies to match. And I mean, it got picked up on local news by this woman, Molly Grantham and Charlotte. And I, I cried like happy tears for yeah. the first year, like, holy crap, a community can really rally and like yeah. lift up just me and my family. So I, I will tell you, you, if you have a passion project, just, I mean, the worst that can happen is you don't raise anything, um, but awareness, which to me, you're, that's still a game, right? Yeah. Cause you're putting yeah. a message yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. So I, I say, just go for it. Oh man. I, I, I'm going to ask you an impossible question, um, but I have to because I know we're about to wrap up, but I ask you this question, slip it in here. Um, so you work in the nuke industry. Uh, mm-hmm. What's new and interesting in the nuke world? Because most of you don't have the opportunity to hear much about what's going on in the nuclear industry, right? You only hear yeah. about like, you know. What was it called? Oh my God. Three, three mile, eight mile, eight mile. Six, six yeah. Mile. Um, now, I'm, 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 I'm don't focus on the accident ones. Yeah. It's like, well, I would love to hear really quickly. Like what's, what's new? What's interesting? Oh my gosh. So I first got introduced to the nuclear industry in 2009 timeframe when I was starting my career with a steel company. And I remember coming home. I was like, mom and dad, I'm going to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. There's going to be this nuclear renaissance. This was back in 09. And, um, my mom's like, what does that mean? I said, there's there's going to be all these build out of nuclear power plants in the United States. And I want to move there to be a part of it because it's a much more complex industry and the network is dynamic. And I just, I want to challenge myself. Yeah. She's like, Joanne, there's no nuclear reactors in, in this, in this state or in this country. And I'm like, uh, mom, there's 104. <laughs> so I had to educate her. Bless her heart. I know my mom's going to watch this. My mom is a genius on a million other things, but nuclear is not one of them. We're working on her. Um, We're giving her the, the, the pass. It's okay. <laughs> I know. I know. My parents are amazing. But no, nuclear is, um, it's cool again, right? So it went through ebbs and flows, right? So the history of Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, Fukushima. 
I will tell you the amazing thing about the nuclear industry, much like our experience with the RET, is industry will rally. Communities will rally. They take lessons learned. They share everything. There is a full all-access pass to what makes people behave the way they do in a nuclear setting and managing and operating um, behind a a control room, every facet. So what's cool about nuclear today, aside from just keep getting better, keep getting um, more efficient and safer, is this whole Inflation Reduction Act that was just passed. And the IRS is going to have to stumble their way through on guiding us on how this is actually going to be deployed. But there's going to be real incentives and capital behind it. So small modular reactors like GE and New Scale are, are actually going to finally get the stage. And investors, industry, politicians, vendors are now going to all finally have funding, have support, and... I'm just beyond excited. I'm I'm so happy for that. It's it's actually really interesting. I was looking forward to this conversation. I I thought I was going to talk much more about nuclear while we were talking about <laughs> FYI. Um but like again, my one of my best friends is in the nuke industry and him and I talk about it and it's like it's like really cool what's going on and the power and and how how clean and efficient it is and so on and so forth. But you talk to the average person and they, they only know about the the Chernobyls, the three miles and so on and so forth. And or and or they don't know anything about it. I, I just it'd be very interesting if we can if there is a way to make it, you know, more public friendly, I don't know, public friendly or no, no. it's totally, it's a, you're saying all the right things. Uh, nuclear energy Institute is it. And, and by the way, we can do a, a, a podcast 2.0 on nuclear and I could talk to you all day about that, but <laughs> nuclear energy Institute is a great forum. They are one of the, we're actually the leading lobbying arm for the U S when it comes to nuclear. Maria Korsnick is their CEO um, and phenomenal woman. So a lot of good content, educating the general public on what nuclear is. But one thing I found fascinating when I was uh, going through my first tour at Bruce Power, you mentioned the board seat next year. When I was going through that, uh, I got to tour this medical isotope program that that we're a part of. And I just come to realize that we actually are the leading supplier of cobalt-60 globally. Mm. And that was just so fascinating because medical isotopes touch everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're using yeah. medicine. And so nuclear is not that bad if we're injecting it to, to you know, identify markers and help do preventative uh, steps for cancer treatment. So I, yeah, go to NEI. They've got so much good content that's just accessible to all. Everyone go to NEI after AlexTrimble.com. Then you go there. <laughs> then you go there. Priorities. Um, look, madam, I, I know you just you you just just flew in um, two hours ago. You got home, um, and I now know. I, I know you got to leave us again because you said you had to like you know you're gonna jump on another jet to Dubai as nuclear powered jet <laughs> that maybe goes into the, the atmosphere. I, I don't know, but but I know you got to go. But <laughs> is is there anything you'd like to share with us, your another guest, before we jump off? <laughs> Yeah, I want a rocket ship, apparently, in my own private jet, just to make sure I meet your expectations. <laughs> no, Elon, I... Elon listens to this. Elon, could you just throw her one, if you don't mind? Throw I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Gosh, there's so much I want to leave with you guys. But, you know, one thing I'll I'll say, I, I think this whole ESG movement, um, uh, you know, environmental, social governance, uh, and how it's inter 
connected with DEI. When I think about all these goals companies are setting, investors are setting, uh, individuals are setting for themselves, I keep coming back to accessibility with my own team and prior companies. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're not seeing the results in your organizations of women or people in diversity coming to the top, ask yourself, are folks that make decisions actually accessible? And, and I think I way too much about this because I think of Lily's access, right? Every time we go to a movie, a restaurant, the airport, I have to look for ramps for her wheelchair. I have to look for an elevator or I have to figure out like, can I actually physically carry her up three flights of stairs? And that's a physical barrier for access, right? But I'm talking about cultural barriers. Like does your organization not allow access to the CEO or to the folks in human resources or the board to make these decisions? And you need to give that all access pass so that people can understand, um, you know, how they can make those advancements so we can have more diverse leadership and hit those goals. Because without diversity at all levels, it's just going to continue down the same path we've been continuing down for 20, 30 years in energy specifically. So I think this transition is going to be amazing. I think the legislation is going to be something that we all are looking forward to being deployed, but we got to we got to keep making sure we buckle up the diversity with it. So I'll leave you with that. Look, preach. I, preach. There's, there's, there's nothing else for me to say on that. New <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag nuclear blotch. Hold up. Nuclear boss preaching. <laughs> oh, my God. It's way too much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for joining us today. I, mm-hmm. I truly enjoyed um, your company, your your laughter, your spirit, your smile, everything you've shared. Thank you so much. And everyone listening, you know what the deal. Don't look back, reach back. If you found anything of value in today's conversation, don't keep it to yourself. Don't be that guy or that gal. Make sure you bring someone else to the tape or more importantly, bring it to them. It All you have to do is literally um, like highlight, copy, paste it in an email or a text message, wherever it needs to be. You can do it. I believe in you. We believe in you. We do, do it. <laughs> do, they, they, you heard you. You heard the. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna get sued for um for for copyright infringement. So let's let's go with um do it, please. Maybe that's a, a, a different it, enough. And, <laughs> and you're gonna do it because the news, the, the nuke boss said so. <laughs> yeah. Great, thank you, Alex. You're great. <laughs> thank you so much. As always, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trumbull, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and his speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.